0: remember remember that moment it, it, it doesn't really feel like 10 years ago it literally feel like yesterday it was really a turning point in my life so um that tournament will be from forever to be remember as my life changer
1: hi everyone and welcome back to the golf journal podcast alongside my co-host mike Trosel, i'm dave giancola well, you just heard a snippet from 2011 U.S. Women's Open champion So Yun Yoo. She and several other players with their names on USGA trophies stopped by the USGA Golf Museum and Library recently as part of an open house event. We had a chance to catch up not only with So Yun Yoo, but also reigning U.S. Women's Open champion Yuka Sasso and two-time winner of the U.S. Women's amateur Kristen Gilman. Enjoy. And we're back once again at the USGA Museum and Library, joined by So Young our 2011 U.S. Women's Open champion. Hard to believe it's been 10 years
0: I know. since you won at
1: the, <laughs> Don't even mention <laughs> <laughs> at the Broadmoor in Colorado Springs. Quite the venue to win uh, that major on. Take us back 10 years. What was that moment like for you, hoisting that trophy?
0: Like I said, it's really hard to believe that it already has been 10 years. Um, and then. Uh, you know, back then, I was not even an LPGA official member, so I was already, like, super excited to play with somebody I always watched on TV. Like, for example, um, 2010 was my first US Women's Open, and then I saw that Paula Creamer won the tournament, and then I got the chance to see, like, previous champion, I got the chance to see, like, Seri Pak, which is our very uh, first Korean US Women's Open champion, and then not to mention, I mean, Like, not just only those two, like, so many of them. Like, I had, like, Morgan Purcell was my idol, and then I remember I played with her at the Oakmont, and then, like, Julie Ingster, like, so many great names. So I was already so pumped to see, like, all of the peoples and all of the great players. And then I was able to chance to win the tournament, and then I remember that... Um, I had a re- weird experience which is I had to make a birdie to uh, make a playoff and then um, there was quite a lot of people around me at the number 18 even though it was on Monday and then you know like when you have that many people you have to have some sort of noise but when I make that putt, I literally felt like I was only one at the universe and then I was not able to hear anything and then I, I was definitely in my zone and then I made that birdie and then um, I had an honor to win that trophy so um i just told them and that i felt like when i remember, remember that moment it, it it doesn't really feel like 10 years ago it literally felt like yesterday and then that tournament really um, it was really my uh, my it was really a turning point of my life so um, that tournament will be for forever to be remembered as my life changer
2: wow yeah i mean what an amazing week that that certainly was for you The the fan reception i mean everything that went into that how did your life change since that you mentioned that was a life-changing event it's been a decade hard to believe it's been that long <laughs> looking back with the benefit of a little of a little bit of perspective you know how has your life changed in that period
0: um first of all i am born and raised in korea i never you know really living in the state. But uh, when that tournament made me decided to play on the LPGA tour and then I started to live in the States. So that already has been really big changed. Um, And then I had to start to learn how to speak English. And I had to learn uh, about new culture, which is like American culture. And then we are not only playing in America, like we are playing so many different countries. So I really had to um, learn like how to travel. And then because all of a sudden I just became a major champion. People started to recognize me even more in Korea. And then even in America, the people started to recognize me and then recognize my name as well. And since I won the tournament, I decided to join the 2012 season. And then, you know, like as a rookie, it's really hard to um, like smooth into that tour, um, like new culture. But I think I already started my career as major champion, like people, uh, recognize my name and then the players like easily come up to me and then say like congratulations and then they started to ask me about the question so even though i was a rookie i wasn't really like a rookie so i think that one really helped me out to feel more comfortable playing on the lpga tour so um you know like just mention about all these things just, just definitely was life-changing
2: yeah i have to imagine it helps when you're introducing yourself you can say you know 2011 u.s open champion you. Pretty, I know. Pretty amazing.
0: Every time when I'm on, t- on the team ground, like the you know the people started to announce my name with um, 2011 US Women's Open champion and major champion, and then that one just definitely made me more confident and then boost me up to playing well.
1: You talk about the history in this building, the USGA Museum and the great names, you know, on the 2011 plaque, of course, you're joined by Roy McIlroy, our US Open champions, but you mentioned it, Sayri Pak, a lot of artifacts from Sayri here. She changed the game globally. She changed the game on the LPGA and just around the world. What was her impact on you and what's it like being in the Hall of Champions with Sayri?
0: um well you know the series one in t- 1998 was my very first golf tournament i've ever watched on tv so us Men's open was already really really special tournament for me so you know like having my name just beside of series is already feels so special and then you know in b park and choi like all of really great korean golfers it's like super honored and then i still remember that when i first visited this you know museum and then i saw my name with like rory McIlroy, like danielle kang like jordan space like so many great players i was like oh my gosh overwhelmed i was like super excited and then i think I was maybe a little too overwhelmed. I, I'm pretty sure I was, I cried a little bit. <laughs> and then my second visit was 2017, and then I thought I was gonna be totally okay because I knew what was coming up. Um, but I think I was still overwhelmed, and then even today <laughs> when I'm walking into the room, I was a little, emotional too
2: (laughs) and that was my former role here was the museum director and it was always my favorite day of the year when i got to give a tour to any usga champion but so yeah i remember giving you a tour in 2012 (laughs) it was the day we opened the mickey Wright room and you're here it was it was really really special uh you know for me as well to be able to do that and see so many smiling faces and you know emotional reactions people you know crying or taking photos smiling I mean all the emotions coming out going back to that time when they won the championship whether it was a year or two ago or a decade or two ago uh, always really special and then for you we had a chance to catch up at the Olympic Club a little bit uh, earlier this year you talked a little bit about what happened uh, during COVID when weren't able to play as much golf you went back home You mentioned you're from Korea, you went back home. What what were some of the silver linings of you to be able to spend a little bit more time back at home and a little bit maybe away from the golf course?
0: Um, Well, you know, the first of all is what happened. I mean, what we are being through is not really, you know, great. I know it's really sad that we were still in pandemic, but um, like you mentioned, everything has a silver lining. And then um, because of pandemic, I was able to spend some time in Korea. I spent... um, nine months in Korea, and then since I joined the, the LPGA Tour, that was the longest break I've ever had, and then I got the chance to play Korean Minutes Open, and then fortunately I was able to win the tournament. So uh, even though I already won U.S. Men's Open in the state, I never won any of the major tournament in Korea. So that was my first ever major tournament win in Korea, so that was already really special. And then um, I got to have a chance to spend a lot of time with the family, and then uh, I think when I first... Um, left korea i didn't really i don't think i realized how valuable the family is but right now i know family is one of the most important thing like i want to say maybe like the most important thing for sure so i was feel more appreciate that i was able to spend a lot of time with my family and then i think Probably I was a little too young when I lived in Korea, I, so I never really appreciated that we have a four seasons. And then <laughs> I think last year was the first year I actually thought, oh, my God, like spring in Korea is really, really beautiful. So I, was, I had so many um, appreciate things last year.
1: Yeah, the last year plus, almost two years, has been challenging, obviously, for so many, but to find any sort of silver lining and to get nine months back in your home country is so special. You talk about being young, looking up to role models. We were sitting with Yuka Sasso, obviously the defending U.S. Women's Open champion. When we mentioned Seiri Pak or or that generation, she mentioned NB Park and Mm -hmm. you (laughs) as, as the players that she watched growing up, inspiring her to play the game. What does that mean to you, kind of the responsibility and the honor to be now inspiring the next generation like Aseri Pak did for you?
0: Um, you know, I, I want to say probably like when I was young, even like 10 years ago, if people gonna ask me, Soyoung, what is your last dream as professional golfer? And then I was always saying, I want to become a Hall of Famer. And then right now, if somebody gonna ask me, I want to remember as somebody did something for golf. I mean like good effect, So I hope I can be the really good role model. And then um, I actually sometimes feel a little ashamed that I don't really know about the history well. So I mean, visiting this museum is really, really great way to learn about like all of the history of golf and then just um, started to seeing like all of the greatest um, players name and then learn about the history. So I hope I am going to Uh, learn more about the history and then I hope I can pass along that to the next generation too because history made us and then what we are doing going to make another history so I really hope that I'm going to appreciate the present and uh, all the history.
1: And you have a very good relationship with NB Park. Uh, she's won two U.S. Women's Opens and a girls junior here. So she's on that Hall of Champions three times now. Do you guys ever have any friendly banter about that? And and what is your relationship like with NB? I
0: mean, I'm definitely jealous about it. You know, <laughs> like, uh, I'd like to have my name much as I can at Diplock. So um, it's, you know, uh, it's also, I mean, it's, like I said, it's really jealous of her to like what she've done. But uh, at the same time, she's not only just great golfer, she's just amazing person. I just learned like so many things from her. Like she's always humble. She, she respect this game. And then she always tried to think like what she could do, what she could give back. So it's really feel um, amazing to have her as my best friend. And then, you know, like to be honest, really, really hard to uh, compete with her because I feel like I'm the one who's more dedicated about this game. And then obviously her record is way better than what I had. So sometimes it's like, it's so unfair this golf, but like I said, everyone's different. Everybody's golf is different. So um, these days looking at her is just still feels like just she's just living in a different universe. Like she's all of Hall of Famer. She's only two years older than me, but she achieved like so many more than what I've been achieved. So she's a uh, great motivation.
1: Well, golf is a game of a lifetime, right? Yeah. You have an amazing
2: women's open record. I mean, starting in 2011 to the present day, never been outside the top 25, which is, which is really remarkable to be able to play that well, that consistently over the years. So we just want to thank you so much for joining us here, coming to the museum uh, and paying us a visit here.
1: Uh, I'm glad you enjoyed your visit.
0: No, thank you very much. I always, uh, I think, I'm gonna be always pleasure to come here.
1: Well, third visit for Soyeon You and we can't wait for many more. So thanks again for joining us. Thank you. And we are joined by the 2021, the defending U.S. Women's Open champion, Yuka Sasso. Yuka, welcome to the USGA Golf Museum and Library. Let's dive right in. I was just saying, it's not too often we get our defending champion. And there's a tradition here at the museum that the defending U.S. Open and Women's Open champions have gigantic banners (laughs) at the front of the museum when you drive up right in between the big columns. What was that like seeing that this morning?
3: Uh, first of all, thank you for having me. Um, you know, it, it's my first time coming here in the museum. It's great seeing all the... Um, oh, sorry. Seeing all the memories and history um, in USGA. And, you know, I've been to Ben Hogan room, and, you know, all, all he's done for golf. It's really amazing. Mickey Wright, um, they're really amazing. Um, and seeing my... Um, <laughs> my banner outside the door. Um, it's amazing. Um, it's a little bit, I, I feel shy, but you know, we can only have that once in a lifetime. So I really appreciate it. Um, you know, I'd love to come back here again and you know, explore more about the history of golf.
2: Well, you're part of the USGA family now, so you're always welcome, I mean, Anyone's welcome to come to the <laughs> this, especially <laughs> as a family member, now being a USGA champion. You could we were walking around the Hall of Champions and you pointed out to 2010, Paula Creamer's mm-hmm. name Oakmont Country Club. First thing you said was Oakmont is really tough, right? Yeah. It, it is. <laughs> it definitely <laughs> is. We're there for the for the US Amateur this year. Uh, but what else was was special about the 2010 Women's Open what were you telling me?
3: Um so the in 2009 I started playing golf. Um and of course my dad introduces me to golf and he was watching TV and um of course I've seen a lot of different players um, from Japan and, um, like I, Miyazato, Ryo Ishikawa, they've won a lot of tournaments that year. But the most memorable tournament for me was the 2010 U.S. Women's Open when Paula Kramer won her first U.S. Women's Open. And that made me you know, um, think that I want to win the U.S. Women's Open. That was my biggest dream at that time. And, um, you know, as, as growing up, um, you know, that was the only tournament That was in my head but knowing more about golf you know history um, made me realize that winning US Women's Open is not that easy (laughs) so um uh, it's not that I gave up but you know it it came more like a dream Um, doesn't it didn't really matter if I win or lose it's more like playing just playing in US Women's Open I was already happy and playing my first US Women's Open 2019 um, it felt like it was a dream come true. And um, I didn't really uh, think about winning the U.S. Women's Open last year in 2021. So, um, yeah, it felt really, really amazing.
1: You talk about Oakmont being difficult. The Olympic mm-hmm. club's not easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you were able to win in a playoff against Nasa Hataoka, uh in front of another incredible crowd in-, in San Francisco. Take us back to that Sunday you fight. Lexi has a hold on it. She falls back. You find yourself in a playoff for the U.S. Women's Open. And Mike and I have been following you for years. You were just playing in our amateur events a few years ago, contending, contending, and then you're in a playoff and you end up winning the U.S. Women's Open. Did it feel real? How long did it really take until it, it sunk in?
3: Um, you know, leading after being in contention for the f- for the week, the whole week, um, it felt really amazing. Um, playing with Lexi and playing with Mega, um, who
2: well, you knew really well from yeah. your Junior Golf Days, right? <laughs>
3: yeah, um, we played um, together in the PJ um, Girls Juniors, and you know she's she's really a nice person. And um, like you said, Lexi was you know leading by like many shots after nine and. For me it was more about you know trying to finish good because i struggled the first you know a few holes um it was more like trying to get my golf back um but yeah um i didn't really expect to be in a playoff or you know to win a tournament so and like i said after the 18th hole um my stomach started to hurt and i wanted to go to the restroom but we had the playoffs so um, I was able to go back to the the clubhouse because it's very steep. Like you said, yeah. Olympic has a very like steep golfer. So yeah. um, I decided to go to the what do you say? How do you say that restroom? Like the extra restroom. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I didn't feel very comfortable, <laughs> so um, I ate banana after two holes, and 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 my stomach got better. Um, and I think that helped me, you know, win a U.S. Women's Open. Um, and like you said, Oakmont, um, hopefully one day I can play. Um, and, you know, the play on the golf course that Paula Kim won and, you know, where I dream to win. So hopefully that comes soon.
1: Well, I can tell by just watching you in the museum, the questions you ask and how much you're talking about it now that you're a student of the game, history of the game. There was history made in 2011 when Rory McIlroy won the US Open Mm -hmm. at Congressional. Mm -hmm. It was well documented this summer that You modeled your swing after his, and really the mentality of his. Um, We saw the swing comparisons; it's uncanny. Uh, That goes without saying. But then a couple weeks later, you came out to Torrey Pines for the U.S. Open down the coast in San Diego, um, and. You walked inside the ropes during a practice round and you kind of got to pick his brain about how he prepares for a major. Meanwhile, you had just won a major, unbelievable. <laughs> what did you learn from Rory that day and what has he taught you really since you began, be- began studying him as a golfer?
3: Um, so first I was, um, you know, since Paula Kimmer won I was really into U.S. Open or U.S. Women's Open and Rory won. The year after, you know, Paula Kim Ramon, and that was just um, very memorable for me, and he looked amazing. His swing looked amazing, so um, that's when I started, you know, copying his swing, and, you know, it was already my plan to watch the U.S. Open after U.S. Women's Open. Um, it didn't matter if, you know, I fought win or lose. Um, it was already my plan, and it was Really good for me meeting him. It felt like winning a tournament. <laughs> you know, um, it just felt amazing. and um, I asked him about how he maintained his um, golf for, like, for a long time. It, it's a very difficult thing to do. and he told me to you know keep doing um, the same thing that, that I've been working on since you know I started playing golf because it's not going to change that much. And he said, it's going to be boring, but it works. So I, I think that'll be what I'm going to do for, you know, for a long time.
2: 2011, Rory. That was a younger Rory, bigger hair, a little pudgy at the <laughs> yeah. time. He yeah. really looked like a kid to the, to the yeah. man he's grown up into. Yeah. Uh, you could tell me, since you've, you've won the US Open, how has your life changed, either on the golf course or, or off the golf course?
3: Um, off the golf course, I, I, I haven't really changed. Um, I want my life to be simple, um, but inside golf course, everyone's calling me um, U.S. Women's Open champion <laughs> not by my name, and it feels good. But at the same time, I hope they can add my name into U.S. Women's <laughs> Open champ. So, um, but you know, everything um, is amazing. Um, it's obviously it's a dream come true. So, you know, um, I'll just try to like you asked me earlier how long it sunk in. Um, it pretty much did right after I hold the trophy, but um, it's still unbelievable because um, you know it was my dream, and yeah, just my feeling is just um, over the moon. It's it's really amazing to win a USGA event. Um, hope hopefully I can you know um, keep this going and um, build my. You know, history like Ben Hogan or Mickey Wright or Tiger Woods or whoever. Um, all the legend players, yeah.
1: We've got high aspirations and you're off to a great start. Um, one last one. You mentioned the trophy, so I have to ask it's kind of a twofold question. Where's the trophy right now and where has it made you the most proud to bring the trophy since you've won it?
3: Um, actually, USJ just sent it um, back home in Japan and you know, showing the trophy to my family, it was, with to my mom, especially my siblings, it was just so amazing. Um, and, you know, we weren't able to go out much um, to bring my, you know, to tour my trophy around my house because of the COVID. So hopefully we can do that. And, and you know, probably I'm trying to bring it back here in U.S. and, you know, bring it with me for my next tournaments.
1: Incredible. Well, Yuka, I can tell you what, you can take that trophy a lot of places. I think bringing it home to your family will always be the most special.
3: That will be the first, yeah. yeah, And
1: it's been very special having you here today. And you certainly have a name to us. You're not just the 2021 U.S. Women's Open champion. You are Yuka Sasso. And we are so happy that you're able to come by today and kind of soak in the history of the game. And uh, we hope to see you back soon. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much,
3: guys. Thank you for having me.
1: And we're back at the USGA Golf Museum and Library in Liberty Corner, New Jersey, joined by Kristen Gilman, won two U.S. Women's Amateurs. You were a member of a World Amateur Team Championship, a Curtis Cup a couple of years ago at Quaker Ridge and your first time here at the USGA Museum. Is that right?
4: Yes, that's correct. First time.
2: <laughs> uh, pretty amazing, uh, Kristen. I mean, what was it? What did you experience like when you came in, saw your name in the Hall of Champions on those plaques on the original trophy that goes all the way back to 1896?
4: Yeah, it was pretty cool to see uh, all those names all the champions and having my name included uh, with so many great names and just seeing everything that the museum has and all the artifacts that they have and it's cool to see how golf has um, transformed over the years and uh, where it's at now and it's really cool to just see everything that the usga museum has to offer
2: we were just showing you around the hall of champions and and dave kristen told us just back at nassau country club just a couple (laughs) days ago went to your favorite pizza place. So what was kind of, what were some of the memories that came flooding back from 2014 when you went back up there more recently?
4: Yeah, it was kind of cool to see it cause uh, I don't remember where any of my shots went in any of the days <laughs> except the last round. Um, so it was kind of cool to kind of relive those moments and just kind of see where um, all of it started. But um, I, I always loved the like, golf course obviously. And so um, it was really nice just to be back and just kind of get those uh, good memories.
1: And you've got a deep connection with the USGA. We talked about two US Women's Amateur Championships, 2014 and 2018. What did that first one do for you at Nassau? And then what was it like coming back to the golf club of Tennessee years later and capturing the Robert Cox trophy again? What was that like kind of to put a bow on your amateur career?
4: Yeah, I think both those are uh, very different because the first one, it was my first US uh, amateur championship and I really like didn't expect to win. I honestly didn't really even expect to make it to match play. And so it was kind of um, a miracle that I was able to win, but uh, I played good the week before at the junior PGA. And so I had some confidence and um, just to be able to get that one, I feel like that gave me a lot of confidence and kind of um, led my my career in a good, good way. And then uh, my second win in 2018, it was a lot different because I was the only past champion there. I feel like I was one of the few ones that was expected to win. And so it was a lot different pressure uh, playing, kind of expecting to win. And so be able to finish that one off, knowing that I knew that that would be my last uh, U.S. Women's Amateur Championship, and I knew I had to win that one also to get into the world amateur team champion, uh, championship on that team. And so to be able to do that, um, knowing it was my last year's, um, pretty special too.
1: Yeah. Incredible to win in your first U S women's amateur, just showing up, making it to the women's Amateurs, is usually like you know, stop number one, not winning the Robert Cox trophy. And you talk about the pressure, you know, the USGA does a great job when you're driving down the driveway, right? The past champions and the big murals, and then you're there, right? After 2014, the, your picture's there. So the pressure is kind of on. You talked about just making it to match play. For those that, you know, don't watch the women's amateur every year like we do, what is that week like? How much golf are you playing? And what does it take mentally just to make it to match play, never mind the championship match?
4: Yeah, I think it's a, it's a lot of golf. And uh, you just kind of what I learned throughout the years is just kind of make sure you conserve your energy at the beginning. Because after you do practice rounds and two kind of stressful rounds, even get into match play, Um it's just a lot of golf and then you end up playing six matches. The last one's 36 holes. Another day you play another 36 holes, two matches in one day. And so it's just a lot of golf in a short amount of time. And so I think that just conserving your energy and um, obviously probably trying to finish the matches really helped that, (laughs) but um, sometimes that's not possible, but.
2: (laughs) So you went in 2014 and then 15, 16, 17 come up a little bit short, but did you kind of gain an appreciation for maybe how hard it was? for when you actually won in 2014, by the time 2018 came around, because I would imagine in your first one, you know, you go through, you win. It's like, wow, you know, is it, is everything like this, but then maybe coming up short a few years by 2018, did you really gain an appreciation for what that meant to actually hold the USGA title?
4: Yeah, I think that, um, you definitely, uh, learn how hard it is and it didn't help that in 2014, I ended up getting injured. So I take six months off of golf. And so, uh, I I'm 2015. I remember I was just really excited to be able to make the cut because I was playing golf for like three months at that time. And so um, just getting your game back to the level it was before and the years it took to get back there. um, I think that that is something that uh, you definitely learned throughout the years that uh, you don't take for granted when you're playing good.
2: <laughs> and Kristen, you're from Texas, right? what's it like? I mean, we're in the Ben Hogan room right now. I mean, one of the, the luminaries of, of golf from Texas, four-time U.S. Open champion. You know, when you look around and see some of the, the trophies here, some of the great players in the game and thinking specifically of Hogan, you being from Texas, what's it like to come into this museum? Not just to see your name, but to see all the great names in this museum who've won USGA titles.
4: Yeah, it's pretty cool. And just looking at the different kind of clubs and golf balls that they have, I, I have no idea how I'd even be able to hit a <laughs> golf shot with what they play. And so it's kind of cool just to be able to see all the um, the stuff that they have collected, collected, and just. All these different facts that um, I feel like every time you come in here, you probably learn something new.
1: You talk about the women's amateur and hoisting those kind of individual trophies, but a lot of players, when they get onto a Walker Cup or a Curtis Cup team, and obviously golf fans having just been watching the Ryder Cup and the Solheim Cup, the Walker Cup, the Curtis Cup, a big year, the Olympics, a lot of pageantry, a lot of team golf um, for for Team USA or the USA team, depending on, on what event it is. What did that mean to play on the Curtis Cup team, uh, having really earned your way through your performance in USGA events?
4: Yeah, I think it meant a lot uh, to me to be able to play on that Curtis Cup team. Because, um, again, I knew that that would be my last year of amateur golf. And so that was something I was wanting to accomplish before I turned professional. And so to be able to get on that team and uh, to be able to, luckily enough to be able to play get to play all five matches and get a win in all of those, um, definitely was an icing on the cake for that. But um, playing in just in that prestigious of an event and with that good of a team, it was really fun.
1: Awesome. Well, Kristen Gilman, two-time USGA champion on the individual side, a couple of team, team wins as well. It's just been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining us. And we're glad you got to stop by the USGA Golf Museum and Library.
4: Yes. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, there you have it. It was an incredible day at the USGA Golf Museum and Library, and we thank you all for joining us as we heard from three incredible USGA champions. On behalf of our guests so Young Yoo, Yuka Sasso, and Kristen Gilman, and for my co-host Mike Trostle, I'm Dave Giancola. We'll talk to you next time.